Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this identity episode, we will explore the believer's inheritance, both here on earth and eternally. We will look at who the inheritance is for, what it's characterized by, and what does it mean here on earth and in heaven. How is your inheritance measured? And what will the end of the story look like? Let's begin with who the inheritance is for. First Peter 1, 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Peter makes the point that our inheritance will never rot, rust, or fade away. Unlike an earthly inheritance, our inheritance in Christ can never be diminished or destroyed. What it says in this verse is that it's for those who are born again. That means those who have died to themselves and resurrected into the life in Christ Jesus. The inheritance of eternal life is reserved for those who hear the truth, believe in Jesus with their hearts and not their heads, and receive the Holy Spirit, born-again Christians. The benefit of the inheritance in Christ begins for the person the moment they accept Jesus. At that point, the Holy Spirit is granted to that person as a deposit, a promise, a down payment, of the coming eternal life of God in heaven. John 3.16 says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son so that whoever believes and trusts in him as their Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. This is a guarantee. John 6.39.40 says, This is the will of him who sent me, that Of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but that I give new life and raise it all up in the last day. For this is my Father's will and purpose, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him as Savior will have eternal life and will be raised up with him from the dead on the last day. So your inheritance in Christ is imperishable. What we have in Christ is not subject to corruption or decay. Because of the fall caused by Adam and Eve's sin, the earth and everything in it is in the process of decaying, falling apart, and dying. Our treasure in heaven is unaffected by this curse. Those who have been born again are born not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. Your inheritance in Christ is perfect. What we have in Christ is free from anything that would deform, debase, or degrade. Nothing on this earth is perfect. Christ is truly perfect. He is holy, blameless, pure, and set apart, exalted above the heavens. And our inheritance in him is also holy, blameless, exalted, and pure. No earthly corruption or weakness can touch what God has bestowed. Your inheritance in Christ cannot be lost or taken from you. What we have in Christ is being kept for us in heaven. 
John 10, 28 says, and I give them eternal life and they will never, ever by any means perish and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. Although we may enjoy blessings as children of God here on earth, our true inheritance, our true home is reserved for us in heaven. You are a citizen of heaven when you're saved. The Holy Spirit guarantees that we will receive eternal life in the world to come. 2 Corinthians 1.22 says, And who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee? In fact, when you believed, you were marked by a seal and the promised Holy Spirit was deposited, guaranteeing your inheritance. And Ephesians 1.13 and 14 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. What exactly do you inherit? Well, the easiest answer is the kingdom of God. John six thirty nine and 40 says, This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me I lose nothing but that I give new life and raise it up on the last day. For this is my Father's will and purpose, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him as Savior will have eternal life and will raise Him up from the dead on the last day. Matthew twenty-five thirty-four says, Then the King will say to you, to those on His right, Come, you blessed of my Father, you favored of God, appointed to eternal salvation, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. How will your inheritance be calculated or measured out? Well, I wanted to take a moment right now to talk to you about the difference between justification and sanctification because they do affect your inheritance. Your decision for Christ justifies you to be in the kingdom it puts your name in the Lamb's book of life. Sanctification is about your life journey with Christ, your fruit bearing according to your kingdom impact that you live your life with. The thief on the cross was justified, but he had no time in his life to become sanctified. He is in heaven, but did not have the opportunity to shine any other light in his life for Christ or bear any fruit. Unfortunately, it's very true that while the thief on the cross had the excuse that there was no time for him to serve the Lord in his life, many are justified and never become sanctified. They never truly allow that decision to change how they live or how they reflect God. The book of James talks about how works are evidence that you are saved not the reason that you are saved. You are saved by grace, by simply believing in Jesus Christ and allowing him to come into your heart. But that is a surrendering posture. And once you have surrendered, sanctification is the proof that you're listening and obeying God enough to allow him to transform you and release him in your circles of influence. So James is saying that when we can see evidence of Jesus Christ in your life because of your 
heart and your actions and your decisions and what you do, then it's proof that you're sanctified. And that's definitely what God wants. He gave you the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can guide you in sanctification. Your reward in heaven is directly influenced by how you choose to live your life after you are saved. Revelation 22.12 says, Behold, I, Jesus, am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to each one according to the merit of the deeds, earthly works, and faithfulness. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the eternal one. Revelations 21.7 refers to those who are overcomers in the church. And Revelations 2 and 3 are about those who choose to believe Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. In Revelation 21.7 it says, He who overcomes the world by adhering faithfully to Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. This is referring to the partnership of co-reigning with Jesus in the new heaven and the new earth, which is what we'll talk about later in this podcast. What does your salvation mean for you here on earth now? We've already said that once you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're justified. Having obtained an inheritance in Christ, and you are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of your inheritance until you acquire possession of it in full and all God's glory. Jesus promises his followers in John 14, 15 to 19 that he will return and that the Holy Spirit will be granted as our helper. Those who have been born again currently have the Holy Spirit as we await Jesus' return, living eternally with him in heaven. But here on earth, Ephesians 1.3 says that God has blessed us with Christ in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This blessing includes us being able to access the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive people, to live blameless and holy, and as adopted children of the King of Kings, we have access to tap into God's wisdom and insight so that we can make godly decisions by his power and not our own strength. This promise gives us the capability to hear God's voice, connect with his Holy Spirit to our spirit, and we are able to see, hear, sense God, obey his voice by his strength and power and not by our own. God is with us. Revelation 21.3 says, And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. This means that we are the temple. When you walk into a room, you bring the fullness of God into that room with you. You are empowered by the fullness of God in your heart to release all the gifts of the Spirit so that you may live out the Jeremiah 29:11 plan God has for you as you are united with others in the whole kingdom plan. Revelation 3:12 says, "This is the will of him who sent me that of all that he has given me I lose nothing, 
but that I give new life and raise it up on the last day. For this is my Father's will and purpose, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him as their Savior will have eternal life and be raised up with Him from the dead on the last day. This is the promise that we will be spared from end times destruction with the rapture. Hebrews 9.28 says, So Christ, having been offered once and once for all to bear as a burden the sins of many, will appear a second time when he returns to the earth, not to deal with sin, but to bring salvation to those who are eagerly and confidently waiting for him. And 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says, Then when we are alive and remain on the earth, we'll simultaneously be caught up, raptured together with them, the resurrected ones, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. So here on earth, you have the power to change the atmosphere around you, to bring hope and faith, salvations, miracles, healings. That's the evidence of your salvation. That's the proof of your sanctification. And every little thing that you do, encouraging somebody, leading someone to Christ, praying for somebody, all of that is counted toward your inheritance. Believers are not judged at the judgment seat of God in the end of days because Jesus covered our sins, so the Father doesn't see any of our imperfections. The judgment day for us is a measure of our reward and inheritance. There is an untold number of people, uncountable number of people, that have had near-death or actual death and resurrection stories where they share seeing Jesus and spending time with him in the present heaven before being returned to life. I personally know three people who have had this life-altering experience and have told some of their stories in my books or in, the, or in this podcast. My dear friend Marsha died three times. Her first death was when she was unsaved and she got a glimpse of hell, was fortunate enough to be returned and choose Jesus. The second death, she glimpsed heaven and was returned to her more feeble body, unafraid of death and with so much more godly perspective and anointing. She has been in heaven now for nearly 20 years, enjoying the presence of God after her final death. You don't need to die to get a glimpse of the beauty of heaven. We encounter tastes of heaven when we encounter Jesus in these Experience Jesus exercises. Revelation 21.4 gives us a brief but beautiful description of our inheritance. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. God and man will dwell together. Everything will be made new. The bejeweled city, New Jerusalem, will be our residence. The river of life will flow from God's throne, and the healing tree with 12 kinds of fruit will grow there too. There will be no night there because the eternal light of the Lamb will fill the new heaven and the earth and shine upon all heirs of God. Your sanctified life can earn you crowns in heaven as your eternal rewards and make a huge difference in what your eternal life will be like. Before we talk about the crowns, I do want to reinforce the message that your salvation is not a reward. It's a gift. 
So you are in the Lamb's Book of Life because of your decision, but it is not part of the reward system. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are His, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. You cannot lose your ticket to heaven. But your heavenly rewards are actually earned. They are lessened or lost if you backslide or have bitterness of your in your heart or simply keep the faith and then fail to live the life that God has planned for you. So 2 John 1.8 says, Look to yourselves, take care that you may not lose or throw away all that you have labored for, but that you may persevere until you win and receive back the perfect reward in full. So notice that this verse is referring to your reward and not your salvation. Not every believer in heaven will receive a crown. These crowns are not like trophies that you receive in a banquet and put them on a shelf or wind up in your attic. These are eternal rewards that impact you forever, and they are promises by Jesus. Revelation 22.12 says, Behold, I am coming soon, and I shall bring my wages and rewards with me to repay and render to each one just what his own actions and his work merit. So the more fruit you bear in this life, the greater your reward will be in heaven. It's not clear exactly what that means, but you may have a more brilliantly heavenly body or clothing or habitation. Daniel 12, 3 says, Men and women who have lived wisely and well will shine brilliantly like the cloudless star strewn night skies. And those who put others on the right path to life will glow like stars forever. Some will have the honor of sharing the responsibility to rule and reign with Jesus. That is not true of everybody. It is true of those who earn the crowns. The first crown that we'll talk about is the crown of life. This one is also known as the martyr's crown. This is someone who patiently endures trials, testings, and temptations and are faithful even unto death. Revelation 2.10 says, Fear nothing that you are about to suffer. Dismiss your dread and your fears. Behold, the devil is indeed about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested and proved and critically appraised. And for ten days you will have affliction, but be loyally faithful unto death, even if you must die for it, and I will give you the crown of life. I want to make a clarification here. Often people think that a martyr's crown is only for those who are actually murdered for their testimony, and that is not the case. Obviously, those people are do receive the martyr's crown, but this is for people who are faithful unto death, which means that you are faithful until the day you die. So even though John was the only disciple that was not murdered for his faith, he has still received the martyr's crown. The crown of righteousness is also known as the victor's crown, and it's reserved for people who strive to live lives of holiness. Their Christ-like service to people for God has been met without selfish motives, and they are fully ready for Christ's return. 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 says, I have fought the good, worthy, honorable, and noble fight. I have finished the race. I have kept firmly held the faith. 
as to what remains henceforth, there is laid up for me the victor's crown of righteousness, for being right with God and doing right, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me and recompense me on the great day, and not to me only, but to all those who have loved and yearned for and welcomed his appearing, his return. The crown of rejoicing is given to those who contagiously express their faith and lead others to follow Christ. This one is also known as the soul winner's crown. 1 Thessalonians 2.19 says, For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus when he comes? The incorruptible crown, also known as the imperishable crown, is reserved for those who find victory from strongholds, letting go of things in this life that take us away from God. These people have mastered putting God first in their lives and have been freed and released from bondages. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 27 says, Do you know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And the final is the crown of glory. This is for leaders, pastors, shepherds of the flock, for people who invest in the growth of others in Christ. 1 Peter 5, 2-5 says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing on dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. The Lord wants you to live a life in a manner worthy of a crown reward. On Judgment Day, every believer should desire to hear God say, as he did in Matthew twenty-five twenty-one, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. What this actually means is that on the day of judgment, which we'll talk about in a couple minutes, your crowns reserve for you the opportunity to be co-reigners with Christ and the bride of Christ. There's more in my episode about the bride of Christ. Not everyone is the bride. Some will be guests at the wedding's feast of the lamb and some will actually be the bride. It is the ones who earn those crowns that are the bride. Revelation 3.21 says, He who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, I will grant to him the privilege to sit beside me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down beside my Father on his throne. So he's saying it is the overcomers, is the people who took their salvation past justification into sanctification that will be co-reigners with Jesus Christ. 
Okay, the book of Revelation is complicated for so many people. We're just going to fly through the last few chapters of the book of Revelation so you can see how the end of the story unfolds. Revelation chapter 18 shows the Lamb defeating Satan and his demons and sentencing for those who are on Satan's side. Revelation 19 shows Jesus coming on a white horse victorious and there's a marriage supper of the Lamb. And as I said before, some of us will be guests at the wedding feast and others will be the bride. Revelation 20 shows the casting away of the enemy for a thousand years. Satan is then released for a short time and a final rebellion occurs. Then the final judgment happens. So we do not have the final judgment until after that thousand-year reign and after the rebellion occurs. And then remember, believers are not judged for their sins because Jesus fully covered them. The purpose of the Bema judgment for believers is to met out our reward. Believers will have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. For unbelievers whose names are not in the Book of Life, the judgment is the sentencing to the lake of fire. Revelation 21, the old heaven and the old earth have passed away. That means that the heaven that our loved ones are in right now is a completely different heaven than the heaven that will happen after the judgment day. The eternal destination for believers with God is the heavenly city of New Jerusalem, which is the combined new heaven and new earth. In Revelation 21, we see that it's a cube, 1,400 miles square, with 12 floors, with gemstone floors and pearl gates. The gates of the 12 floors were named for the 12 tribes of Israel, and the 12 foundation stones were named for the 12 apostles. I remember Dr. David Jeremiah teaching on this chapter and doing the math and saying that 1,400 miles square is about the size of eight earths. I asked the Lord to clarify this new heaven, new earth, and city of New Jerusalem. And he said there will be no need for a natural earth because there will be no more fleshly bodies. The heavenly city of the New Jerusalem is the combined new heaven and new earth. And it will require transformed bodies. People in heaven now have one kind of heavenly experience. After the final victory and judgment that occurs after Satan is reintroduced, after being gone for a thousand years, and then cast away for all eternity, all those in heaven will be transformed into new bodies capable of living in the heavenly city of New Jerusalem. As different as a seed looks to its fruit-bearing plant, this is the level of change from a present heavenly body to the new final eternal body that will exist forever with me. I'm pretty sure we couldn't even fathom what he has planned for us in the new Jerusalem. 1 John 3.2 says, Beloved, we are, even here and now, children of God, and it is not yet made clear what we will be after his coming. We know that when he comes and is revealed, we will, as his children, be like him, because we will see him just as he is in all his glory. 
And John 14, 2 and 3 says, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, because I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again, and I will take you to myself, so that where I am, you may also be. If you do not yet know Jesus, will you accept him as your Savior today and sincerely ask Jesus into your heart? And if you have accepted Jesus, won't you recommit your life to him and promise that you will live a life sanctified to his glory? Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I'm tired of living a life without you or without enough of you. Forgive me for all my sins and for trying to do this life on my own without you. I need you to come and help me. I believe that you are who you say you are, Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, Savior. Thank you for offering me the way to eternal life. Come into my life and show me how to be my best self, Lord, by your strength and power. Thank you for sending me the Holy Spirit to show me the way. Once you have sincerely prayed this prayer, you're saved. And if you prayed it as a rededication, the Lord has just upgraded you because your heart desires to do more for him and seek his face to see what that might be. Before we dive into our encounter today, I wanted to take a moment to ask you for a blessing. If you have learned some new things and have drawn closer to God by this podcast, Please pray for the Lord to multiply it and allow the Lord to pop a few names into your spirit for whom you could share this podcast with. Simply text or email them the link to the pattyej.podbean.com site and let them know why you've been blessed by it. And please check out my books, journals, and downloadable resources at pattysadala.com shop. And remember the code EJPOD to receive 10% off everything, even the stuff already on sale. And remember, they make great gifts too. Thank you for blessing me by your prayers and for being a listener to this podcast. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. I also wanted you to prayerfully consider attending our Breakthrough Spirit Life Workshop that will be held in Lebanon, Oregon, October 21st to 23rd, 2022. You will experience three days of carefully facilitated Jesus encounters, drawing you closer and increasing your intimacy with Christ, healing, physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental things, and equipping you for your calling with an increased anointing and clarity about your destined purpose. Check out our information at spiritlifeworkshops.com. The link will be below this episode. And we hope to see you there. After spending some time with Jesus, posturing your heart properly in your special place as a child, allow God to show you the answer to this question. If I were to die today, Lord, show me the level of my inheritance. Have I earned any crowns? Is there more 
that you would have for me? And if so, show me glimpses of what you'd like to see from me from this day forward. And then after, really prayerfully dedicate your life to what the Lord has revealed to you. Take all the time you need and make sure you record it all in your journal. Well, I know today was kind of a heavy episode with lots of complicated stuff about future things, but I hope that it has given you some perspective in your life about what real life is. Life on earth is so temporal in the long run. Eternity is forever. And so the decisions that you make on earth have eternal perspective for you. Let that new awareness rise up in your spirit and motivate you to live the life that God has planned from the beginning of time for you. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.